I got a question for you. When is the last time you've been cared for? When is the last time you've been cared for? Now, I'm not talking about the romantic, cheesy stuff that's written in scripts. Uh, I'm not talking about, you know, the obvious times in life when life is overwhelming, you know, and, and people should be coming to care for you. I'm talking about the unmerited, uh, out of the ordinary times when someone is intentionally being kind and thoughtful towards you. Some of y'all like, yo, somebody need to be thoughtful to me today. As I've been thinking about this question, I realize I have some friends and coworkers and people that have been kind to me recently. And it's unmerited, nothing I've earned, nothing I've done. They've just been super thoughtful towards me. And I've realized, I'm learning through their thoughtful gestures though, that I appreciate it, but sometimes I have a hard time accepting it. And if I were to be honest and, and do the internal work and take the elevator down, I'm probably just uncomfortable with it because I feel like I should have done something to deserve this type of gesture and thoughtfulness. But more recently, like yesterday, <laughs> I was thinking like, yo, what is it? Why am I so afraid to allow people to care for me? And the first thing that came to mind, I'm from Brooklyn, yo, you know what I'm saying? I don't need, I don't need nobody. <laughs> All the Brooklyn people stand up, I hear you. But honestly, sorry guys, sorry for that. I did not plant them, they came on their own. But honestly, I grew up in a community where like, yo, I, you take care of yourself. All I need was beef patty, cocoa bread, some Tim's, I'm good. But if I were to be honest with myself, which I hope I am doing more of, I'm so used to taking care of myself that I reject the genuine care of others unintentionally. I'm so used to doing it on my own providing for me, making sure that I'm good, that I reject the genuine care of others, sometimes unintentionally. Now, I really feel like this has spilled over into my relationship with God. And if I were to be honest, there are times, even now, I've been in ministry for, vocational ministry for a long time. And the truth is, I'm really starting to realize now that I struggle with God taking care of me. I struggle with the truth that uh, his care and affection for me is not based on how I perform. Oftentimes, I tell myself, of course, God, you care for me. Look what I'm doing for you. Man, how that is a gross error. Oftentimes, I say like, I struggle with, God, I don't know what the end point is going to be, so I need to be in control of making it happen. 
God, I don't know why you're not answering this particular prayer right now at the moment, but I'm going to fill in the blanks for you. If I were honest, I struggle with letting God care for me. Now, today we're looking at a passage that is going to require you and I to be really honest with ourselves. What if we trusted God enough to care for us? What if? What if you trusted God to the degree that you allow whatever's happening in your life to not scatter you or sway you because you know he is going to care for you? If we are not, if we are not honest with ourselves in this particular passage this morning, I'm afraid we're going to miss the, the power of Jesus' claim, and we're also going to miss the power in the text. And so today, uh, we've been in our series, Jesus Is, and in this series, we've been allowing uh, Jesus to define himself, not what grandma said about him, not what people say about him, not even what you think about him, but what Jesus says about himself. And our Jesus is series, I pray the Holy Spirit is giving you revelation of who Jesus is in your life and for you. But we are going to look at this passage, and in this passage, Jesus makes the claim that he is the good shepherd. And if Jesus is who he claims he is, you either believe it or you don't. There really is no middle ground. Um, Our scripture today is found in John 10. But before we do that, I want to give us a little bit of a little bit context. Um, The context here found in chapter 9, Jesus has just healed a man that was blind from birth. Uh, Jesus heals him. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of this time, they are seeing this and they don't really under, they don't believe that Jesus was able to do it. The man that was healed, he doesn't know Jesus either. So when they ask him, who healed you? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. He, right? He doesn't, he doesn't know. Then they bring in his parents and they ask the parents, hey, was your son blind from birth? They're like, Yes, but we don't know who healed him. John say, I don't know. <laughs> the Pharisees then have this big challenge with this man. And Jesus is having a conversation with him and telling him, you were blind and now you can see. And I'm the reason for that. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one people have been talking about. And the man says, oh, wow. So then I am going to worship you. You are the Messiah. The Pharisees, as they're listening to that conversation, they're like, is this dude trying to say that uh, we are blind also? That we have some sort of uh, a spiritual blindness that we can't see who he is? Then we pick up. With that context and that lens, I want you to listen to chapter 10, the beginning. Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate But climbs in some of the way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They would never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. The Pharisees are confused now at this point. The religious leaders are confused. Verse 7, Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep don't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, Jesus says, so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. See, Jesus is using this metaphor about shepherds and sheeps to tell the religious people of that time that your leadership is not valid. Your leadership is bad. And he's juxtaposing this bad leadership exhibited by these religious leaders to him being the good shepherd, to him being a shepherd who does what a shepherd is supposed to do. But in our 21st century context, we probably, this metaphor don't really hit different. Because we don't, who has a PhD in sheep? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like we don't really grasp the nature of what a shepherd does. And so here's my attempt to, to help us understand what a shepherd does. One, I just need us to understand the context. There were sheep everywhere. Sheep were, the, the Bible tells us, it's a little nerdy fact, King Solomon who was once the, one of the kings of Israel, he, he sacrificed 120,000 sheep. I know, y'all don't get the context. We can't even imagine 120,000 sheep. I get it. That's why we're silent. We live in Harlem. <laughs> Facts. I get it. Job, who is another biblical figure, he owned 14,000 sheep. I know, again, it doesn't hit. I get it. I get it. Let me try this. I have four kids. <laughs> I remember when my son AJ was in the second, third grade or fourth grade. I'm not sure. He was going, uh, he wanted to experience his birthday with his friends at school. So my wife and I had the genius idea of thinking, why don't we go to school and why don't we um, take the kids 
to the movie theater from school, like after school, take all the kids to the movie theater that all the boys in his, I think he has some girls in his class, but uh, all the, his crew, why don't we take them to the movie theater? So as you could imagine, I learned what sheep do. <laughs> Yo, as soon as we left the school, like kids started walking everywhere. One kid was literally about to walk into the street looking backwards, talking to AJ. I'm like, yo, come here. I need to get you back to your mama. Like, the only way I think we, one of the ways I think we could understand the life of a shepherd is the parent and child relationship. See, this relationship is, is genuine. There's nothing merit-based about it. See, a parent allows a child to, like, throw up on them. That's... Why? Heavy on the why. Like, a parent allows a kid to talk to them crazy. Things that your kid says to you, you would never accept from another human being. Like, the parent and child relationship is so close. It's so intimate. And what's dope about it is the child knows that they're a child. What I hope happens today is that we realize that we are sheep. I hope we allow the scripture to to come alive so much in us that we understand that we are sheep-ish. Sheepish. You see what I did there? Just it's a hyphen. There's a hyphen in there. Now, here's what a shepherd is supposed to do. A shepherd makes sure that sheep have their essentials. The shepherd makes sure the sheep have food and water. They make sure everything is good. If there's a pasture, a place to graze, a whole lot of grass, the shepherd's job is to lead these hundreds of sheep towards this pasture so that they could graze properly. Because some of the problem is sheep, they will stay and graze somewhere even when there's no food left. The shepherd has to make sure they know to get to the next spot to pasture so that they could graze and have water. Secondly, the sheep protect, I mean, the shepherd protects the sheep, okay? So imagine, sheep are essentially defenseless. There's really not much, they, they, maybe their hair gets caught in the lion's mouth or something. It's not much that they can do to defend themselves. And so the shepherd's job is while they are grazing, while he's sitting in the sun, while he's sitting in the rain or whatever the, the weather conditions are and watching these hundreds or sometimes thousands of sheep graze, he has to also be looking for predators. He has to also be looking to provide protection because he knows the sheep can't protect themselves. And lastly, the, the, the shepherd's job The principal job of a shepherd is to make sure the sheep have direction because they don't know where to go. They don't know where to to find food. After the the long day of finding pasture and and grazing and and getting water and and being sheared because they, they grow too much hair, after all of that, the shepherd's job is to make sure that all the sheep get home safely. The shepherd's job is to care for the sheep. And if we are not careful, 
we could look at this passage and think that we are the good shepherd. But Jesus wasn't telling this for us to feel like we needed to identify with the good shepherd. Jesus is using this analogy to show that there's only one good shepherd and the rest are sheep. Jesus is saying that we're incapable of providing for ourselves, that we're vulnerable to attack, and that we don't know where we are going. Jesus is not trying to be your good friend, although... He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, the scripture says. He's the good shepherd because he knows something about ourselves that in our pride, we don't want to admit often. We're sheep and we need him. And listen, my my former pastor, A.R. Bernard, uh, helped me understand this. He said to me, he said, sometimes as one, embarrassment is the antidote for pride. And I think in our pride, we fail to recognize that spiritually, we are all sheep. Now, us being sheep is not the only thing I want us to grasp here. It's vital for us to really understand the passage, but I also want us to hear the claim that Jesus is making. Jesus is saying that I am the good shepherd. So conversely, what does that mean? There are some bad shepherds. There are some bad shepherds. And if we don't identify the bad shepherds, my fear is that we could be following a bad shepherd thinking that we're following Jesus. What are the bad shepherds in our lives that we are following? Here's one. I think one for me, maybe this is true for you, is culture. See, culture, for me growing up, I grew up in the golden era of hip hop. <laughs> I was trying to find like another way to say that, make sure it was all inclusive, but, but it was the golden era, the 90s, when hip hop really made sense. All right, this is not, let's not argue. It's true. But what I was sold is that I had to be super aggressive as a young man, that I had to pursue women at all costs, even if it was something contrary to what my mama taught me, even if it was something contrary to what I would want someone to do to my sister. Culture led me to believe that's how I should be. You know, my my oldest daughter is 25 today. Wow. Yes, shout out to her. And I'm learning about culture through her a lot. And she told me, she said, Pop, it's not true if it's not on the shade room. (laughs) Like all her truth, all of her info. Okay, for those who don't know, the shade room is an Instagram media-based company that, you know, it's a New York Times said it's the TMZ of Instagram. Y'all still, okay, check it out if you want. There's, there's, it's good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the shade room. But she told me a little bit. But not the people who are part of it. All right, y'all, come on. Skip back. The truth is, my daughter, though, finds all of her truth 
at the shade room. That's tough. Culture is telling her what's good, what's bad, what's okay, what's acceptable, what's not. Here's a question. Is petty okay? Some of you don't even know. You don't even know. Culture, as sometimes says, you know, being petty is po- perfectly understandable. I see why you did that. And on the other hand, they're like, no way. You, I can't believe you are so petty. Culture has this way of, of being really shifting sand. And if you stand on the things that culture are saying are true at the moment for the season, you are being led astray. See, see, what I'm saying is there's nothing wrong with culture. It's real. God has created culture to be what it is. But the truth is culture is a bad shepherd. Culture's not trying to. Culture says, cancel them. Jesus says, pray for them. Culture says, do you get the bag? Renaissance, we've had this discussion. Get the bag. Y'all know what that is now, right? That's when you are working extremely hard to get a large sum of money. Okay, that's getting the bag. Get the bag at all costs. Jesus says, be generous with your time and your money. Be a cheerful giver. See, culture is not bad. Culture is a bad shepherd. Emotion. Emotions are not bad. Emotions are a bad shepherd. Here's the truth. Emotions are gift from God. Jordan preached his face off last week. And, you know, when you think about that story with Jesus and Lazarus, Jesus wept, the Bible says. Like, emotions are God-given. We hear in the scripture how the psalmists get to express all of their emotion. But here's the problem. When emotion starts telling you what to do or what to say, it's a bad shepherd. When you are able to, to, to feel emotion, and that's how culture deceived me. It taught me that I don't need to feel emotion. I need to do something about it. But emotion is a bad shepherd because when it tells you what to do, it's leading you, oftentimes, it's leading you away from the things of God. Not always. Sometimes there's times where emotion could do that, but oftentimes emotion is leading us away from the thing that Jesus would be asking us to do. Lastly, religious actions and activity. I think they are bad shepherds. And here's why. There's a term in Christian circles called, maybe you've been to church or haven't been to church in a long time. There's a, there's a term called moralism. And moralism says, I am loved by God when I do a good job. And when you do religious activities so that people could see them and say that you're good, or, or even God could see them and say that you're good, you often do them out of an impure heart. You often do them for the wrong reasons. The right thing for the wrong reasons. And that can be sniffed out and felt and sensed by other people, yes? Religious actions and piety essentially are bad Shepherds, they lead you towards the things of God and away from God himself. See, Jesus, when he says, 
I am the good shepherd. He's saying, I need you to understand, though, that there are bad shepherds. And these bad shepherds all have the same DNA. Their DNA is to take, 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 and never give. Their DNA is to take from you so you're, you're joyless and you, uh, you have no hope and that you're always fearful and never give you anything in return. And here's the contrast. When Jesus says he is the good shepherd, it's in this text that we get to see the elements, the things, the characteristics that make him a good shepherd. But first, I want to talk about the word good here. As uh, you know, Jordan and Brandon and Lester and I, we were preparing for messages. We have our teaching team time. We talked about this idea, but like, who gets to determine what is good? And the truth is, God does. God determines what is good. God determines the stipulations of the relationship. And it's true in our pride, we often try to go against that. We say, you know what? Me and God are cool. Based on the standards that I have, I think that's good. But God's very clear about what is good and what the stipulations of the relationship need to be. Jesus determines what is good. And when he says he is the good shepherd, he's saying, out of all the other things that could shepherd you, I want you to hear, not only am I a shepherd, but I'm good. Here's some of the characteristics of a good shepherd. Here's one. He provides genuine care. The good shepherd provides genuine care. I would imagine the shepherd, when they were out with the sheep, and, and imagine if one sheep ran, uh, ran off and the hustle that it took to go get them, thinking about the others, but keeping in mind, I just need to get this one, and how they would make sure they grabbed that one and brought them back to the flock. The care and tenderness that's necessary, the good shepherd provides that. There, there are times in your life when you feel like, you know what, I, I don't know where to go from here. The good shepherd steps in and provides direction for you. Jesus is the good shepherd. When he leads you, he's not leading you so you could just fall off a cliff. He's not leading you so your life could just be miserable. He's leading you knowing that, man, if I don't get you to the next pasture, you're going to stay here and die. And you might not even know what it takes to get there, but the shepherd does. And your job as a sheep is to believe he is good. And I know that's difficult for us. I'm saying those words, and even I feel the Holy Spirit speaking in my heart. There are times even to this day that I still wrestle with, Daddy, you are a good shepherd. But right now, things don't feel good, but I still have to hold on because I'm a sheep. I really can't do anything else. Second, Jesus is the good shepherd, which means his love is not conditional. His love is not conditional. Listen to verse 12, John 10, verse 12, the hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. 
the misnomer about culture and and religious activity and emotions is that when they're leading you, they try to convince you that they actually care. But the good shepherd says, nah, they can't care for you like I can. I know you feel alone, but the good shepherd would never abandon you. I know it feels like I'm not present. You can't feel me or hear me, but trust me, I'm present. The good shepherd doesn't run when things get tough. In fact, the good shepherd comes running. Lastly, the good shepherd, his character is sacrificial. Listen to this in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That, my friends, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he came as the good shepherd, knowing that the ultimate predator of sin and death would run ravishly throughout the flock and snatch and scatter all of us so the good shepherd comes running. And the good shepherd sits on a cross and hangs there knowing as he cries out the Psalms, knowing that the sheep are going to be scattered unless he lays down his life for them. And then as he lays down his life, his prayer is that by the power of his death and resurrection, and when he comes back again, he's going to pull all the sheep together. He's going to get everybody together. He's going to say, I know you felt alone. I know you drifted off, but come on, I got you because I am the good shepherd. There's an old movie in the 90s called Men on Fire. And Denzel and Dakota Fanning, and they, they do this really dope scene at the end where Dakota Fanning, she was kidnapped. And her dad orchestrated for her to get kidnapped. And Denzel was uh, someone who has been asked to care for her. And it seems that he's a hired hand, but I think he was kind of the good shepherd here. Denzel realizes that now uh, the person who has her has kept her alive. And so Denzel's having this conversation with the dude on the phone, and, the dude is, and Denzel has now captured his family, and this man has Dakota Fanning now. And they're on the phone negotiating, and the guy says, he's called The Voice in the movie, The Voice says, um, I'll need your life for her life. And Denzel's kind of puzzled. He's like, yo, what do you mean? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? He says, I need your life for her life. I would imagine, and, and Denzel does a great job as an actor, he's, he's there, he's, he's wrestling with it. He says, bet, tell me where to meet you. They design this, they, they figure out where to meet, and it's a, on two opposite sides of this bridge. Denzel's on one side, and, and Dakota Fanning and the, and the kidnapper are on that side. And we, in the movie, we watch uh, Denzel say, you know what, I am going to exchange my life for her life. Scripture says in Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. My hope today, Renaissance, is that you truly believe you are a sheep. You won't be left alone. You won't have to find out how to do life all on your own. 
The good shepherd will take care of your essential needs. The good shepherd would protect you. And it may not look like the way you designed it, but he's the good shepherd. He knows what you need. And his life is sacrificial. I want to close reading Psalm 23 to us. And I want you to close your eyes, Renaissance. Those of you online, I don't know if you close your eyes when you're online. But I want these words to seep into your heart today. What I want you to leave with for the rest of the week is that Jesus is a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Lord, my prayer for us as a community is that as sheep who are incapable of taking care of ourselves, as sheep who are defenseless, as sheep who want situations around us to change the when and how we want them to change, God, would we sit in the truth and reality that we are sheep who are in desperate need of a good shepherd. God, thank you for telling us who you are. You are our good shepherd. Now this week, Lord God, with the Holy Spirit, help that be real in the life of everyone under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen.